Hello and welcome. Connie Reagan Green here from ConnieReaganGreen.com with another call in the podcast series. These are the calls that I do where I'm on alone and I am doing some training on various topics. Today our topic is going to be time management. And I do have a study guide for you. If you go to ConnieLoves.me forward slash study guides, then at the top of that page, you'll see it under June 2016. Just click on your study guide and you will have access to it. And again, it's ConnieLoves.me forward slash study guides. And anything after the forward slash has to be lowercase and all one word. So ConnieLoves.me forward slash study guides, all one word, lowercase. So I appreciate you taking your time to be with me today because that's the exact topic that we're going to talk about the importance of managing your time. So I have a list that I've made here, and I want to share some of the very best things that have worked for me that continue to be extremely effective for me because every day I have to say, and I sleep about seven and a half hours a night, every night, and I have to say I always feel like I have plenty of time to do everything I want and need to do. And I know that that's not typical of people whether they're entrepreneurs, working at home, working for a corporation, staying at home with a family, whatever you're doing, that's not typical. So I do want to share what works for me, and I will take all of your questions. If you're here live, be sure to type them in on the page. And if you're listening in replay, then what I want you to do is on the blog post on ConnieReaganGreen.com, I want you to leave comments and I'll answer you personally. So the first thing that I do that's extremely effective is I maintain a dynamic to-do list on a mini legal pad, and it's next to my computer all of the time, and I keep it with me because I live in two different cities, and I'm also traveling quite a bit, and I make sure before I go to bed at night, which is about 10, 10.30, sometimes 11 o'clock, typically I go to bed, and I make sure that I have on that legal pad what I'm going to do the next day, and what I'm working on that week. And when I say that it's a mini legal pad, it's about four by six inches, I want to say, and they sell these in any office supply store or Walmart, just about drug stores, just about any place you can get these. And I get a pack of about uh, more than a dozen, probably 20 of them or something, so they last me a full year, and that works well for me. And every time I tear off a page, I tuck it in at the at the back of the book, so when I'm finished, I have those, and I just put the date on there, so it might be May and June of 2016, for example, and I keep those if I want to look back at them, and occasionally I do. So when I say that it's a dynamic to-do list, that means that for the next day, when I get to work, I'm always writing on that list. I'm adding things. I'm taking things away. And the way I determine how I'm going to do things is I first look to see which items are best delegated to other people. What are things that I don't want to do, I don't know how to do, and they would be better off done by someone else. And with those, I put an arrow facing to the right. So if you're doing this on a word processing document instead of doing it on paper, the way that I do it, because I'm old school with this, if you're doing it that way, then use the equal sign and the greater than sign. That makes an arrow. That means someone else is going to do it, and I put the name of the person who's going to do it if I know who that is. If I'm not sure, I might be more vague, and I might say tech team or graphic designer 
or assistant or helper or VA if it's a virtual assistant. And finally, I'll put in the name of the person that I'm going to ask to do that for me. So that's the first thing I look for. What can I delegate? And I had to learn delegation. I was not good at that until I came online. While I was teaching toward the end, I, I learned to delegate, but it was really when I came online that I became a true delegator. All right, the next thing I do is I look for things that I can eliminate altogether, that I can put a big X by. These are things that I thought I was going to do. I thought they were very important. And all of a sudden, they take care of themselves as things tend to do. And I love when I can put an X by something because that means I don't have to think about it any longer. It's really disappeared from my memory very, very quickly. What I'm left with are the things that I'm going to take action on either that day or within the next couple of days. And I have quite a few things that I'm working on, but never more than three or four at a time. If you have 20 things on your list, you're kind of asking for trouble because it's just too many, it's too many items. If you were at a job, and you may still be at a job, they would never ask you to do 20 things the following day. That would be uh, delegated to you in a very different way. So take a look at what it is. Now, it could be that you're putting every detail of a project in your to-do list, and I would encourage you not to do that. Write what it is. So I've been writing my book, my 14th book, and I'm really finished with it, 99.9% uh, finished with it, and it's called Doing What It Takes, the Online Entrepreneur's uh, Playbook, and I'm very excited about it. So for the past five weeks, I've had write my book, D-W-I-T, Doing What It Takes. I've had that written down. Instead of saying, I'm going to do a specific thing here or there, I don't get specific until I'm in the last week of writing the book. And something specific might be to go back and make sure that I have a quote at the beginning of each section and each chapter. I like to do that. And I like to handpick those and really think about them. So I might do that at the end. Or I'm adding a reading list now, and I might add that. Before that, I'm just writing the book because I've already created the outline because that was a goal way back in the very beginning, to create an outline for the book. So take a look at what's on your to-do list. And also, you must write things down. If you're trying to depend on your memory, that won't work so well. And remember that the dullest ink is better, or the dullest lead for a pencil is better than the sharpest memory. So that's what I do about that. All right, and I had a question in regards to this. And thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it uh, very, very much. All right, let me look at these questions. The question here said, um, let me see. Let me find it. Uh, do I use Google Calendar or a calendar app on my phone and laptop? Do I use a written calendar and enter things into the online calendar? Do I use any other tools? So he's asking about time management tools and how they might integrate across platforms. So I love the idea of this, and I actually do keep a wall calendar in Santa Clarita and in Santa Barbara. I live in those two cities that are an hour and a half apart, and I will keep a wall calendar just to kind of remind me of an appointment that I might have or something like that, but it's really the mini legal pad that I have everything on. So I am old school. I prefer things handwritten, and I prefer things very, very simple. So I'm not using any kind of apps or uh, Google calendars. I know there are a whole lot of really nice things out there, 
but those things would take up more of my time and I prefer just to do it in a very simple way, the way I do everything in my business. I keep it super, super simple. So thanks for the question and that's my answer in terms of tools. I just need a mini legal pad and and, and pen, maybe blue or black, and that's all I need. I'm ready to go. All right, let's talk about prime time hours. You should know by now, you're an adult listening to me, and you should know by now when you are most awake and alert and really thinking the highest level thoughts. For me, it's early in the morning. It's pretty quickly after I get up. So my goal is to get up around 6 o'clock, be at my computer no later than 6.30. I like it nice and quiet for a few hours. I work for 60 to 90 minutes at a time before I get up and take a break to walk around, maybe go for a walk and come back, or just stretch, have something to eat, um, things like that. I'm not checking email very early in the morning because that will interrupt my thought process. And I can get at least until 10 o'clock out of my prime time, so at least about three and a half hours. Sometimes I can stretch that to 11, 11.30, but not much further after that. So that's when I'm doing my best work is during my prime time hours. When do I do calls like this one for my podcast or my trainings? I do them a little later in the afternoon because I've done the preparation for them during my prime time hours. I don't need to use prime time hours to deliver the information, if that makes sense. And that's how I schedule my work accordingly. All right, let's look at another question. Uh, this is a good one. My question concerns attending conferences. How do you maximize your time? I come home with binders of notes and never look at them again. Each conference costs me about $1,100, and I need to monetize that back. And this is a great question. I have been to at least 75 live events, and that includes my own, over these past 10 years. I had two years in a row when I went to about 16 conferences each year. And then slowly I've backed down from that. I give two live events a year and have done that for a number of years. And I also do some retreats, and I'm not including the retreats because those are small, two, three, four, five people I'm working with at a retreat in Santa Barbara, so I'm not counting those. I'm, I'm talking about events that have 50, 100, sometimes 1,000 people, and they typically are marketing events in my in my case, and also events for authors and publishers that I go to. So the first question that you want to ask yourself is, why are you taking the time to go to these events? What's your intention? What's your goal? How are they going to help you? For me, I didn't go to events until my I had been online almost two years, so it was 2008, and it was expensive to go. I couldn't get away with 1100 that you're saying there. It cost me more like uh, almost $3,000 back then because it cost more to go to events back then. And now, even though the costs have come down considerably, and you can go to an event for just two, three, four dollars $400 usually, you still have travel costs. So if you're flying or driving, however you're getting there, that costs money, and the cost of the hotel, and meals because you really have to go out to eat for most of the meals when you're at a live event. So I was going because... I had two reasons. I wanted to be able to speak at live events. I wanted to be asked to be a speaker. So I needed to see what speaking at a marketing event looked like. How did they prepare? What topics did they present? How long did they talk? Did they sell from the stage? How did it all work? 
I was studying that. So that was number one. Number two, I knew that in the future, and I didn't know that it would be by uh, 2009 that I would actually be doing live events. I did them with Dr. Jeanette Cates. We did uh, several events over about, what, a three-, four-year period maybe, and we did about half a dozen events. And I didn't know that I'd be doing that with her then because I didn't know her. I hadn't met her yet. But I wanted to know what it was like to speak at an event and to have an opportunity to speak and to be able to host my own events in the future. So those were my reasons. While I was there, I would connect with people. I would tell them what I was doing. Many times these people became clients, customers, students. So that was my purpose of going. I was able to pay for those trips pretty quickly because of that. And sure enough, by 2010, I already had been doing events, had done a couple of events with Jeanette Cates, and I started being asked to speak at events. So it was working. It was paying off in a big way what I intended to do. So if you're not even opening the binders of things you're, you're learning at the events, then it's not a good use of your time at all. And I'm not sure what your goal is when you're going to these events, but if you're going and thinking somehow you'll make some money from it, you need that's too vague. You need to write down how that money would come. What would somebody at the event do that would help you make money? Would they become your client or customer or student? Would they buy something that you're selling? How would that work? What would that look like? Also, as I became an author and had more and more books, then I used to bring maybe 10 books of mine. I'd pack them in my suitcase and take them. And every day, if it was a three-day event, I would give two, three, four books out every day. I would give them out at the beginning of each day, knowing that the person would leave it on their desk for the rest of that day. And that was very effective in getting my name out there. So I was building credibility and visibility at the event. So I hope this makes sense. If you have a digital information product, if you only have books, going to live events may not be necessary. Remember, you're going then as a choice and for fun. And if you can't afford it, then you need to look closely at what events you're choosing. And I would suggest that you go to more events like the retreat that I do because there, that's where I work with people individually. And the cost is similar, but it's different because you're learning how to actually build the business rather than going to an event where everybody else is the star and you are once again in the audience. Also, uh, within a couple of years of me uh, hosting my own events or co-hosting at the time with Jeanette and then speaking at events, I usually would not be an attendee at the event more than one time. I would go, and if I was not asked to be a speaker the next time, and I would always tell them that I wanted to speak and what my topics were, if I wasn't asked, I wouldn't go back to the event. It didn't make sense for me to be in the audience once again. Okay, I am back to the study guide, and there where it says, how do you manage your time as an entrepreneur? Let's talk about number four. Always ask yourself, and this is a good, uh, good statement for the last question we just discussed. Is what I'm doing now, right now, moving me closer to my goals or further away? So what is it that you're doing with your time? If you're on social media, why are you there? What is it that you're doing? What do you hope to do? Social media for me, it's something extra. I like to put what I'm doing there, but I certainly don't spend more than 10 or 15 minutes within a 24-hour period ever on social media. 
I go in there, I communicate my message, I connect with someone I might need to connect with, and then I leave. I get back to work, what actually is income producing. So my motto is get in, get out, get back to work with social media. If you're going to live events, is that moving you closer to your goals or further away? If your goal is not to be a speaker at the event or to host your own events that are similar, then it might not be a good use of your time at all. Protect your time. It's your most valuable resource. So I don't give up more than one or two mornings a week. I want five mornings for sure where I can do my writing for a couple of hours each morning. And when I'm writing a book, I really want seven days a week for the first two, three weeks. Because it's going to take me about five weeks to get the book done. And I want that time every single morning. I don't want to break that that train of thought that I have ongoing every morning. Those hours are too valuable because in the afternoon, I'm just not able to do the same kind of writing. I can work on my outline. I can think about the book, but it's very, very slow in comparison to when I'm doing it during my prime time hours. All right, let's take another question here. Here's one. Somebody loves my book, Book Blog Broadcast. Looking for any ideas and suggestions for an upcoming book launch. Okay, wonderful book launches. Well, I've been super successful with book launches. Um, it depends on what your goal is again. You know, what do you want to do with the book? Because getting yet another book out may not be the best use of your time unless you're, you have intentions of doing something that will really boost your business in a big way. So what you want to do is not do the things that used to work that don't work. So we used to get everybody on board and everybody would offer a bonus and it would be very exciting. And I used to have people buy two copies of my book because back then it was $25. If you spent on Amazon, you got free shipping. That's now $35, I believe, unless you have Amazon Prime. And we used to do it that way. Now I kind of do a soft launch. I do an ongoing launch of the book but I make sure that people know that I'm writing books on a regular basis. So never has one year gone by that I haven't published at least one book. And typically I publish two. In my mind, I want one book every 12 months. But in actuality, that's really going to be probably two books. That's why I'm publishing the 14th book. And it's been, how long, six years? That's why, because that's, that's been my average. It's been two rather than, than one a year. So make sure that in your autoresponder sequence, you have a link to where your books are. So if you scroll down to page two, you see my books are at ConnieReaganGreenBooks.com. If you go there, that takes you to my author page over on Amazon. And that's very, very valuable because people can say, oh, she's been writing a lot of books. Look at this. And you choose which books are added there. So if I'm mentioned in a book or wrote a chapter in a book, it's not necessarily there. If it's someone else's book, I don't do that. In the beginning, if you only have one or two books, then you want to do that. You want to add the books you're mentioned in. But over time, just delete them from your author page so that you have your books front and center there. That's important. If you go over to see ConnieReaganGreenBooks.com, my author page on Amazon, please click to follow me. If you do that, when I have a new book that comes out, You'll receive an email from Amazon announcing that my book has been released. And that's very, very valuable to do that. And it boosts your rankings over on Amazon. So what else do you do with a book? 
I like to give myself a $10,000 cash advance every time I write a book. Well, not every time. I'm not doing it this time, so not every time. Many times, I'll say. The way I do that is I create a course based on the topic of the book. And while I have the course going and the book comes out, then I get a whole lot of traction from that. My courses typically are $500, so you can do the math and see how many people I need to get my, my $10,000. That works out very, very well. The course is ongoing. I teach season one of the course. I wait a few months, and I teach season two. This year, I came out with my, my series of courses really simple. So I have really simple affiliate marketing, content marketing, info products, podcasting, list building is coming. So I have a whole lot of things in the really simple series. I was going to write a book that was really simple online marketing. I decided not to. I decided to write doing what it takes instead. But tying a book, especially the first few books you write, and I did this pretty steadily in the beginning with huge profits with a tiny list, huge profits with affiliate marketing. I, I did it right, right, publish, prosper. So I recommend creating a course based on your book. Because the truth is, if people read my books, they'll learn just about everything they need to start a seven-figure business. Will people do it? Not really. Pretty much they want you to teach them in a course. They want a more formal setting, even though it's virtual, and that's fine with me. Or they want me to be their mentor and to work with them closely because that way they can get results much more quickly than if they read the book and took action at home on their own. So it can be done from the book, but not quickly and not easily usually. So I hope that's been helpful in terms of launching a book. All right, I have other questions over here. Uh, let me see. When you find yourself drifting, not being disciplined about time management, how do you get yourself back on track? Any tips to snap back? Yes, you have to be very disciplined and make yourself snap back. So I travel a lot in the summer. This summer I'll be traveling more than usual. I'll be gone for about six weeks total between the middle of June and the middle of August. That's a lot more than I usually do. And while I'm away and when I come back, sometimes I just don't feel like getting back to work. Remember that not feeling like it is not a reason for not doing it. <laughs> so I don't feel like it. I go back to work anyway. So you just have to be very tough with yourself. Be the toughest boss that you've ever ever had. Think of I think of bosses that I had when I was teaching. Very, very tough administrators. I'm tougher than any of them. Boy, they were so easy on me in comparison. When I set a deadline for myself, I always meet it. When I decide I'm going to do something, I either delegate it, decide not to do it, or actually start doing it right away. Within 24 hours, I get going on it. So that's what you have to do. Just put yourself in front of the computer. You'll already have your, your dynamic to-do list on your mini legal pad from the night before or however you're going to do it, and you look down, and that way you know what it is you're going to do. I've been doing the productivity challenge, and I want you to go. I don't know if I put that in the, uh, in the study guide. No, I don't think I did. So go to productivitychallenge2016.com, and it's 30 days. I've done the 30 days now. I finished the other day, but you can start on any day. So during the past month, before I go to sleep every night, I've been updating the productivity challenge with the new challenge, the new information for the next day. I couldn't let 30 days pass and me not do it because I said I was going to do it. 
This is the sixth year I've done it. Every spring when I decide to do the productivity challenge again, I don't feel like doing it. I acknowledge that, and then I get to work and start doing it. So there is no secret to any of this, but just as other things we don't like to do, maybe you don't want to do laundry or you know, get up in the morning and take a shower and have to get out in the traffic, if these are things that are part of your life, we have to just get going and do it. If you're around children, you'll know a lot of times they'll say, I just I don't feel like it, I don't want to, I don't want to do this today. I don't I don't feel like doing whatever it is that you might want them to do. Do we let them off the hook? Not too often. If they're ill, we would. If there's a good reason, we would. But other than that, we know that that structure and that routine is important in the development of that child. It's important to all of us, no matter what our age. So people will, and I'm glad you asked this question, people will say to me, they'll say, it must be wonderful working for yourself. You can sleep in and you can just kind of do whatever you want to do every day. And I always say, that's not the case at all. I have a much more structured life now than I ever had when I was in the workforce. When I was doing my real estate appraisal and listings and and offers, working with buyers and sellers and doing residential appraisal and all that and teaching, my schedule was was much more more loose, more open. Now, I want to do things every day at a certain time in a certain way, no matter which city I'm in where I'm living, the two cities, or if I'm on the road, if I'm traveling somewhere. So be very structured, be very disciplined, because the payoff is huge. You will be so glad that you did. So, so glad. All right, one more question, then I'm going to get back to the study guide. When you have a million things pulling you in so many directions, especially when you're still working at a job, any magical tips for prioritizing? It can get overwhelming to say the least. When I get overwhelmed, I'm not as focused and productive. Okay, I love everybody's questions. These are fantastic questions. Um, why do you have a million things pulling you in so many directions is my, is my question to you. So back in the old days, and this was 10 years ago and then for 20 years previous, <laughs> so starting 30 years ago and ending 10 years ago, I was teaching and I was doing real estate simultaneously. There were very few days except for weekends where I wasn't doing both. And when it was a holiday or vacation time from school, I was doing real estate. So I was doing all of this ongoing. I never had a million things to do, though. With school, I knew what I needed to do during the course of that day. I knew that on Friday, I couldn't leave school. I couldn't drive home without having my lesson plans for the following week, the following Monday through Friday. Those had to be broken down in 15-minute increments. So we had the children about six hours a day. So we did about 24 different 15-minute activities with them every day. Now, something like spelling might be the same four activities within a one-hour period five days a week. I'm just giving this as an example. But nonetheless, it was chunked down into 15-minute increments. With real estate, very similar. I knew what I was going to do and and how I needed to proceed to get there. So with an appraisal, I knew that I had to do some information on my computer to begin with. And way back, we did it on the microfiche, if you remember the, the microfiche readers. And that was, that was very exciting, lots of fun for us. Here, I'm checking here. I just want to make sure that our recording is going well and the 
webcast is going. Perfect, perfect. All right, so I knew what needed to be done. It didn't vary too often. Sometimes I would be dealing with a client or with a property that I had to do some things a little bit differently. So I would deal with that, but my goal was always to get back to my system of what worked. Because anything that we do in life, and I was just talking to one of my students this morning about this, where I said no matter what we do, if you're taking a shower, if you're driving to the grocery store and and getting groceries and coming back, we pretty much have a routine that we know works. You must be flexible and open to changing that routine in case that somebody says, you know, I see that you always drive down this street to go to the store. Did you know that they've opened up another street here? If you just make a left over here, you can get to the store in three minutes instead of ten. So then the next time I go out, I'm going to try that and see if that works for me. So I always want to be open. I don't want to do things the way they've always been done. That doesn't work necessarily. (laughs) But whatever we're doing, we're doing it pretty much in the same way unless and until we make a change. So think about it that way. Uh, I was at the bank the other day, and I went in because I have something called concierge banking, which means they'll even come to my house, and I do have them come. About once a month I have somebody come from the the bank to my house to do some of the banking that I need to do. And this is a service that's available if you're a business client with a bank, so check into it in your town or city, see see what they're doing. So on this day, though, yesterday I went to the bank, and uh, when I went, I saw several people, five, six people, waiting for the two ATM machines. And I did have a deposit, and I thought, and I, I quickly kind of looked past them. So they were in the uh, first lobby that's enclosed by doors, and I looked past them into the bank itself, and I saw there was only one person in line waiting for one of the tellers. So I walked past them, said, excuse me, and walked past them, and went up to the teller window did my deposit. I was depositing two checks, didn't need any cash back, wanted a receipt. And when I turned around, most of those people were still waiting in line. They were doing things the way they had always been doing them. They've been trained to wait for the ATM machine when it's perfectly all right to go up to the teller. It doesn't cost any more. <laughs> There's no reason not to go up to the window. And I, I just found that very, very interesting that people will do that. So, you know, be careful with how you're doing things. So getting back to this question about having a million things, write down those things that are required, and you'll see that there really aren't that many different steps to the work that you're doing because work typically doesn't change so much all the time. Even if I had a different grade level of students, even if I was doing something with a commercial property rather than a residential property, things don't change totally with that. And then um, you're asking for tips for prioritizing. Well, if you're still at a job, but you're starting a business, the business has the priority always. And you may know the story of rocks, pebbles, sand, and water. The rocks are the big important things, like our family, like things that we're doing around charity work or around our faith, something like that. That would be your rocks. Very next would be your pebbles. Let your pebbles really be your business and then let your job slowly dissolve if it's rocks now and it might be it sounds like it might be let it dissolve into pebbles and let those pebbles dissolve into sand so yes you're going to do it but you're not going to give it top priority even if that's where the majority of the income is coming right now because whatever we think about expands 
So if we're thinking about the job, the job, the job, got to do this for the job, you're giving it prime importance when perhaps it doesn't deserve that at this point in your life. So think of it that way. All right, let's get back to and... And somebody else is asking a similar question about balancing a list of a million things to do. And do, would you have separate lists? No, no separate list. One list. If I have a doctor's appointment, it's on that same dynamic to-do list. If I need to go to Walmart and you know pick up paper towels, which I wouldn't do because I know what it's like to go shopping and buy paper towels, why would I ever need to do that a second time? Have they changed paper towels much in the past 10, 20, 30 years? I don't think so. So find someone that will assist you with things. Delegate things that can be delegated, right? You don't need to do those. Doctor's appointment, I have to actually be there in person for that. That requires me. Do I go even even once a month? No, I don't even go once a month to a doctor. So it, it doesn't have to be. It can become sand because it's something I fit into the course of my my day on the day that I have made the appointment to go. All right. Um, let me see. Uh, I have some fill-in-the-blanks. Your blanks is when you do the highest level thinking and acting, your prime time hours, prime time hours. Decide when when yours are and don't give them away easily. All the years I was teaching and doing real estate, six or seven days a week, I gave away my prime time hours to the jobs. Now, with teaching, I didn't have any choice. With real estate, I always had a choice. I should have allowed myself Saturdays, Sundays, holidays, vacation time from school, I should have allowed that for time from do, doing something for me rather than for the work. But I didn't understand these concepts then. All right, the next one is what you are doing right now, moving you closer to or further away from your goals. The next one, don't get into the habit of doing things the way they've always been done. When I started working with charities and nonprofits, that's what I was warned about in the beginning. They said, be careful. You want to join the board of a different group, Rotary or Zonta or Circle of Hope was a cancer awareness and, and support group that I was with. And they said, you'll have an idea. And they'll say, oh, no, no, we have to do it this other way. We've always done it this other way. And when you hear that, say, well, give this way a try, and I'm I'm happy to be the chairperson of the committee. So be willing to do the work if you have a different idea. And that worked very well for me. And I even remember the woman who told me told me that to be be careful of that. It's like the people at the bank waiting for the ATM machines when the people at the back of the line easily could have gone in and gone up to the window and everybody would have been served in less than five minutes instead of me being served in three minutes and everybody else waiting for 15 minutes there at the machine. All right. Give yourself an ongoing business education by reading business books. And I've even added some at the end of this uh, study guide. All right, what do you need for successful entrepreneurship? You need a WordPress blog slash site. So WordPress, it's a platform for websites and blogs and everything, and you need that. You also need a business PayPal account, very, very important. And you need a content creation, publication, and syndication strategy. Now, with WordPress, with your blog, make sure that you're effective with your time management for this. Should you do a blog post every day? Probably not. That's great for creating content, but are you building your list? Do you have an irresistible giveaway? 
Are you getting traffic to your site? What's happening around that? I see too many people, they just blog like mad and nobody comes. Or if they come, they don't opt in. So there's more to the story than just having the blog. The business PayPal account, you'll want to be able to do business transactions. If you have a personal account, I started with a personal account. Most of us did. And I just called them up and they told me to do a couple things and connect my business account. It was all done in maybe three, four days. So do that. Then, your content creation, publication, syndication strategy, blogging would be part of that, but you also want to write short reports. You also want to do videos. You want to do audios and turn some of them into podcasts like I'm doing right now. And you want to write a book. Very, very important. What Amazon did to the world of publishing was revolutionary. All of us are able to write and publish a book pretty easily these days. So you want to do that. What should the book be about? It should represent you and what you stand for and what you're doing online. My first book was Huge Profits with a Tiny List, 50 Ways to Use Relationship Marketing to Increase Your Bottom Line. That book serves me well because that's where I was back in 2010. That's exactly where I was and where I needed to be. And that book served me well. It got me speaking engagements it increased my business tenfold that year. Just amazing. So get your book written. So that's your publication strategy, syndication. You want to make sure that what you write gets out to the world. So take a look at LinkedIn Pulse. Take a look at Medium.com. And don't just slap stuff up there. Put stuff up there that represents you well. What do you not need? You don't need a brick-and-mortar location. You don't need an MBA or other formal education or degrees. That's the good news. You need your ongoing education where you're learning about business. But we don't need things that we used to need in the traditional world. All right, and I've included resources there for you. All right, let's see if there are any other questions. And I believe I've answered all of them. And anything else in my notes? No. I would say the most important thing that I shared with you today is number two on the list. On your dynamic to-do list, decide which items are best delegated to others, which you should take action on, and which can be eliminated altogether. Once you do that, you will free up so much time. And remember, many things, I won't say most, but many things that we do and participate in Every single day, we're doing by choice. So I like to read. I'm reading by choice. Sometimes I read for pleasure. So I have a family member that's young, and we have an agreement. I can recommend a book for him, and he can recommend a book for me. So right now, I'm reading one called Paper Towns by John Green. He enjoyed that book a year or so ago. And I said I would read it, and it's a 300-page book, and I'm almost at page 200, and I'm enjoying it. It's a book I would not have chosen for myself. So what do I give him? Business books. I gave him Grit to Great, How Perseverance, Passion, and Pluck Take You from Ordinary to Extraordinary by Linda Kaplan Thaler and Robin Koval. So, uh, you know, find somebody you can exchange book ideas with. That way you don't have to join a book club if you don't want to. Book clubs are very interesting. Many times they don't require you to read the book. How you can be part of a book club and not read the book and discuss the book intelligently, I don't know. You know, I mean, because these are books typically the movie has not been made and that shouldn't be 
you know, a, a way to, to get the information either. You shouldn't see the movie instead of reading the book. Uh, very interesting. So uh, I, I don't do much with, with book clubs. I have a couple that I visit on occasion if I've read the book and want to actually discuss it. I'm always disappointed that most of the people in the group have not read the book. All right, well, anyway, I'm digressing. So thank you for spending this time with me. Again, this is Connie Reagan Green. This is part of my podcast series. Go over to ConnieReaganGreen.com and you can learn more. Have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your afternoon.